Hello and welcome to this week's Super 8s podcast. I'm Denise O'Flaherty and joining me this evening is Limerick's very own Adrian O'Sullivan. Now Adrian is going to be a regular on our Camogie podcast as well so we'll be hearing lots of Adrian's uh, dulcet tones. Adrian, an action-packed weekend, wasn't it really? Yeah, and there's only one place to start because uh, we're after giving our neighbours care in a merciful baiting in the Munster Championship and there's nothing else we can possibly open with. So, uh, Sorry, I was going to start with uh, Longford's win over Carlo or Cavan winning up in Ulster, but sure, you know, you Limerick uh, men have to start. You know, there's only one story this weekend, though, and it's not often. I've been texting all my Clare friends there this season. They're very quiet. Have you got friends? So... <laughs> well, not anymore, not after some of the messages and after sending these boys out to it. Um, but what about Wells Mead? Uh, yeah, after having a great weekend now, um, see Neil McManus on the, on the Sunday game there this afternoon, but uh, we had the answer for him yesterday, so we were absolutely delighted. Uh, really tough place to go. Uh, they'd given Kerry a big beating up in the, in the very same pitch, mm. and we'd lost to Kerry, so all the form books were pointing towards, uh, towards an Antrim win, and it was funny before the game. The uh, the announcer actually announced the game up there as a as a Joe McDonough Cup semi final. So they were obviously thinking final and final only. But yeah, it was just one of those days where everything went right and um, we put up twenty nine points, which was a huge score. Killian Doyle hit seventeen, uh, which was a massive return. And uh, yeah, so we've got a right chance to get into the final now. So we've left it in our own hands anyway, which is which is what you want going into the last round, you know. That's it, um, Leash into the final it's going to be uh, some weekend next weekend because obviously yeah. Leash are playing yourselves and then you've got uh, Kerry and Offaly so Kerry could technically still qualify for the final mathematically it would take um, a freak set of results but they're not completely out of it um, but it would probably go on score difference wouldn't it it would if yeah. Offaly win if Offaly win we're guaranteed to get to the final because we've beaten Antrim on the head and head. yeah we win uh, it goes to score difference. We have a good score difference. A Kerry don't. Uh, they've taken a couple of beatings. But, yeah, look, if, if we go out and do the job against Leash, that's the main thing. We look after our own side of it, hopefully. Um, and we won't worry about the other results. So, but look, it's all to play for. All you want in any championship is going into the last game that, that it's still in your own hands. And we have that. Leash are the form team in that competition. They've been putting up huge tallies. They've been 11 goals uh, in their in their three games. Um, so I think a lot of the hurling commentators out there saying the rest of us are only playing for second place so so I that suits us fine as well and I'm sure if Antrim or Kerry got to the final that it suits in fine as well we don't mind uh, going into these games as the underdogs got all the pressure on Eddie he's been very vocal in the in the media the last couple of weeks talking about other managers and other teams and stuff so you can take all the pressure now and see how he deals with it and uh, hopefully we'll see him in Crow Park <laughs> Listen I'd rather have things in my own hands than expecting other counties to do favours Oh, 100%. And look, if you go out with any attitude other than focusing on your own mm. job, you're, you're going to come a cropper. You can't be waiting for other teams to do you favours or anything like that. You have to focus on your own performance. So that's all we'll be talking about in training all week is making sure that we're where we need to be to, to produce a performance next Saturday and look whether it'll be good enough or not, then we'll be decided on the day, you know. We'll go through the other um, competitions as well. In the Chrissy Ring, Donegal relegated back to the Nicky Rackard. Meath now will play down in the final. I think Meath, we all said from the outset that, you know, Meath had the team, they look to be the best team in it. I'm sure down will give them a game, but you're kind of expecting Meath to uh, make the step up. Yeah, Meath, of course, won a famous Christy Ring final in 2016. So a lot of those guys will have yeah. experience of playing 
uh, on the big day I suppose uh, also playing at a high level Down haven't been there in a while they have a good pedigree going back over the years there's some very good players but I think the first time I was on here with Sean O we were talking about the Christie ring and I predicted that Mead would win it and I'll stick with that um, they're a very very good side they're very well managed by Nicky Horn um, and uh, yeah we expect them to expect them to do the business there but you just can't write off Down either and, and Down teams get the club pass yeah. they have a serious record and Down have a couple of Christie rings won uh, over the years you know so um, yeah, you wouldn't rule them out, but I would expect me to win there. And they, they had a good win against a very, very good Derry side that are backbone by the Slat Neil. Yeah. Um, Neil, a double Ulster winning team as well. So, yeah, look, they're on form and uh, they should do the business there, really, I suppose. In the Nicky Rackard, Louth were relegated back to the Laurie Mar. Armagh, Sligo in the final. And I have to say, like Sligo, they missed out in promotion to Division 3A. Longford beat them in that final. But what a story this is. Like I know Colin O'Mara, he was involved with Longford last year. He's with them now and they've just been transformed. Yeah, I was only reading about it there a while ago. I remember playing against Sligo years ago when I was at Warwickshire. Uh, they had Keith Raymond playing then. He's yeah, still doing it. Tipperary when he was 17. He's still playing. I've long, long since hung up the boots, unfortunately. But... Um, yeah, look, I think they've, they've put massive work into hurling. Yeah. They've taken it from five senior clubs to seven senior clubs, um, and they're one game away from winning the winning the Nicky Racker. No, Armagh are a really, really good side. Yeah. Um, they probably are the best team in that competition. We played them in Division 2A of the National League uh, in 2017 with Kildare and won by a point above the Athletics ground. We had a good Kildare team that year. So they were operating at quite a high level only two years ago and kind of hit a slide there for a little while but um, yeah look fair play to Sligo like operating on such a small player base um, and the work they're doing up there is uh, is phenomenal you know so that'll be, that'll be an interesting game and they deserve their uh, their day in the big stage as well yeah because for counties kind of like Sligo Longford I put Loud into it as well the big thing is retaining you know your Nicky Racker Salas and anything else is a bonus so when you think um, how far they've gone Armagh, as you said, you know, they're the best team in it. I think if Longford had a few more players last week, we could have given them a rattle, but didn't. Um, they've suffered heartbreak in Crow Park in the last few years, so I'm sure they're kind of saying, this is it now, lads. It's now or never, but listen, Sligo, nothing to lose in that game. In the Laurie Mar, Leitrim defeated Fermanagh to book their place in the final, and they're going to play Lancashire. So um, an interesting pairing in that final. Um, Leitrim themselves are a bit like Sligo and Longford, you know, they're working so hard to try and keep hurling alive there. Uh, Martin Kniff is, is one of those guys that will be around forever and he's doing a, f- a fantastic job with Leitrim. So I'm delighted to see um, our neighbours in a final. But uh, Lancashire beat them already in the league and uh, I tell you, there won't be uh, no pushovers in that final. No, and I think last year... Um, the three uh, the three British teams got to the final and they all lost and Lancashire was one of them so um, look they'll have the experience of having played there Leitrim have been their own place a couple of times as well um, Like I suppose for the smaller teams the experience of the whole day in Crow Park yeah. being there once before is a huge advantage whether it's having to warm up in the warm up areas under the ground before you go out or just the I suppose the sheer size of the place yeah. there's no one there and you know, you can't hear your coach in the warm up, and it's just it's a it's a fairly intimidating place to walk into the first time, no matter whether there's ten people there or, or eighty thousand people there. So I think the experience of having been there before will stand to them. And um, the Leitrim story is great as well. I remember playing against them a few years ago, and 
they'd only the bare 15 yeah. and Kim and Kniff was clashed and the rest of them were kind of lads that kind of pulled in off the in off the street to play the game but they've they really changed uh, changed their approach and um, look, you'd have to have the utmost of admiration for, for all those teams because it's very easy for top teams to keep going training every night and you know, you've all, everything laid on for you and all your sponsorship and maybe team holidays and big games and stuff but it's those guys that are putting in the same same time and dedication and you have to have massive admiration for them Joe. and again like we said with the other teams they deserve their big day out on the, on the big stage as well We'll move on to Leinster Wexford easily saw off Carlo and um, I tell you it's uh, Leinster and Ulster football can you believe it Leinster hurling and Ulster football that are keeping this championship alive Galway got the better of Kilkenny in a terrific encounter a lot of people were actually expecting Kilkenny to win this game but uh, credit to Galway yeah, Galway dug it out. Um, I think to be fair, they looked like they played the better hurling during the game. They used the ball a little bit better, um, and they got a good return out of their forwards. Uh, I thought Kilkenny maybe let themselves down a little bit by pumping too much long ball at times. And I suppose that's Cody's style over the years is just let it off into the forwards and win their own ball. I suppose if he's a fellow with a pawn him like TJ Reid, it's easy to do it, but. They don't have six TJ Reeds and I suppose they were lumping high ball down on top of uh, Gerard McInerney and Cooney and these lads are big units and they didn't get much success out of it. Um, I suppose Kilkenny will have been frustrated by Galway's persistent fouling at the end when they were trying to work the goal. Um, they would have been noted for it themselves over the years. Kilkenny, Terrell and, and JJ and these boys would have been fairly ruthless when they came mm-hmm. to, to snuffing out goal chances but like, I'm not a fan of the black card in football but this tackle, this late tackle and pull down is just coming into hurling more and more. Yes. I don't know if there's some sort of, can there be some sort of better punishment for it, you know, but look, it's a hard one to work out. I don't like the black card in football. I don't think it's been effective, but um, I suppose there'll be a lot of Kikini fans that will, uh, that will that will probably say that it should be brought in. Um, Galway, I suppose, missed Joe Canning, like Jason Flynn missed four handy frees today, really. Mm. Um, in a tight game, their ones Joe would have slotted. They'd have been far more comfortable at the end. Um, but got a good return uh, out of Con Cannon and Cahill Mannion was absolutely outstanding as well um, like a top top class player looks like he's really hitting form at the, at the peak time of the season I think he hit six points in the first half I packed on a few more in the second half um, yeah the Leinster Championship is the one this year like Munster carried the can last year to mm. uh, keep everyone interested but Leinster Championship has been outstanding this year and it's really interesting there's so many permutations going into the last round yeah. this weekend um, anyone could make the final anyone could miss out on even getting out of the group in, in the top three um, Galway look like they're probably safe unless there's a freak set of results but any of the other two out of the other three continue extra Dublin uh, their championship could finish next Saturday which is or next Sunday which is crazy really isn't it Matt? Galway I think they probably needed this result more than Kilkenny did because everyone was looking at Galway and, you know, kind of they were laboured in the last few weeks and everyone's saying, you know, they missed Joe Canning. And even today you mentioned about how, how they missed Joe Canning. But it was a case of they needed to prove that, you know, we're not just a one-man team. As you said about Kilkenny, T. Dereed, um, you know, he pulls the strings for the Cats. Dad, like, I think we mentioned the last day about marking these marquee players. Yeah. It's one thing talking about having a plan for these guys. <laughs> Try uh, to implement it. Another thing, oh, TJ Reid, I would have no problem in saying, is the best hurler I've ever seen uh, in my lifetime. I think he's just a phenomenal, phenomenal player. 
there's nothing he can't do. Uh, his second goal today, the little dummy he sold, he looked like he was going to hit the ball, put off the defender. Uh, I think Don Logrady on the television said a simple old goal is how he described it. I was there, going, Donald. there was nothing simple about that. You know, you've missed the whole point of this completely here. Uh, just a top, top class player. And, you know, just look, Kinney are, are heavily resilient on him. But I suppose they played today without Walter Walsh as well, who's mm. central to their plan as well. And, but maybe the draw would have been the fair result. They looked like they were going to snatch a draw at one stage, and um, so that would have kind of turned, uh, given them a bit more of an advantage going in next weekend. But look, they'll go down to Wexford now, and geez, I give any money to be sitting uh, sitting beside Davy and Cody for that one. There's only skin and hair flying there. That'll be box office stuff. That would be a time to have a, a sports talk down there, right on the sideline. As you said, Wexford and Kenny next weekend, then Dublin and Galway, Cork. Uh, Sardinian had a very good win over Waterford you know kind of we expected Cork to win it was a case of by how much um, and you know they're clicking to form now while Limerick they show their class against Clare um, a few weeks ago you know Clare got out of, of Waterford and people were kind of saying oh if Waterford gotten something back in, out of that game it wouldn't have been fair but maybe when we're looking at the performances in the last few weeks from Clare Clare were very lucky to get out of Walsh Park with the win yeah Clare were very, very lucky to get over Walsh Park. Like I suppose the people would be very, would be very critical of Clare, and some people involved in my management teams are from Clare. They mm. said, "Oh, the knives are out in Clare tonight for the management." But they have to be realistic about their squad strength. Like I suppose from last year's team, it really took a year out this year. Uh, Conor McGrath is injured. Uh, even uh, players like Aaron Cunningham have been away for the last couple of years. You know, Dara Conan who has been retired now for a couple of years, but. Like all of these guys would be of the age to be still playing, and they're four series forwards. Yeah. And when things weren't operating from today or last week, they were turning to kids on the bench to try and rescue the game from Johnny. They brought on Aidan McCarthy, who I've no doubt would be a great player, but he's 18 years of age. They brought on Connor Ryan, or sorry, Dermot Ryan, Connor's brother, uh, 19 years of age, you know, first year in college. Like, down through their bench, Ryan Taylor, who's never started the game, Gary Cooney, again, who would be a great player, good fit Scooby Cup player, has never started a chance of the game for Clare. And they're going to these inexperienced guys because of the depth, the the lack of strength they have yeah. in their squad. Whereas you turn around and Limerick, okay, plenty of players will love coming on and tacking on scores and you're 10 or 12 points up. But Limerick brought on Dan Marcy, uh, uh, Shane Dowding, Pat Ryan, Darrell Donovan, Seamus Flanagan. Like, jeez. Do you know, those five lads would have started on the clarity. I was going to say that, yeah. I'm off the bench to, to see the game out and... Like, Limerick probably have the strongest squad and like we're not getting carried away now just because we won today but myself and Sean Ogre were talking we weren't getting carried away and we lost the Cork either mm. we kept an even keel like Limerick have a very very strong squad and that was a clear signal of intent today and it'll be interesting in Turles now next Sunday Tip have kind of cruised through we've we've had our last two games fairly handy and it'll be a real test now to see where both teams are and we'll have a fair indicator of where the McCarthy is going after next Sunday I think I think next Sunday's game is going to be a real Munster Hurling Championship game because before this we haven't really seen the Munster Hurling Championship whereas next weekend you're seeing two of the big guns coming together and obviously then the Clare Cork game Clare are going to be at home uh, they'll want to put in a performance after this weekend and last weekend and uh, they're playing a Cork side who as I said they're kind of beginning to hit form as well. Yeah, the Cork put up 2.30 again on Saturday night. You nearly have to look at the Munster Championship results without Waterford's results in it, with no disrespect to Waterford. They just haven't been at the pitch for the yeah. this year. Um, 
and look, there's all sorts of rumours floating around down there, and look, I don't like to speculate on rumours, but there's just something not quite right down there. Um, but I suppose we can only talk about what we see on the field, and we know that's not right because they just haven't been performing. And because they have the players. I suppose they have names. Um, like Derek McGrath had been playing to a very specific system, but mm. as I said, when myself and Sean O were talking here a couple of weeks ago, we made the point that Waterford don't have any marquee forward or the guy that you're worried is going to go to town and you like Galan did today or like TJ or yeah. Canningwood or you know, they just don't have that guy that's going to cut you to shreds. Um for a long time people in Waterford we would have played them played Dungarvan with Art Skull and Joe would have been involved there to Limerick underage teams playing Waterford up along and Keen Lynch's age but like the Patrick Curran and these guys were the real superstars. Um and they would have been the teams to beat at underage with, with that group that Keen Lynch came up on. Um but they just haven't haven't really made the step forward at all. Um, look, it's hard to know where they go. I met a very high-profile ex-Waterford manager this morning. Um, just bumped into him on the street, or just pure random, was having a chat with him, and they seem to think that look, Waterford have done enough blame in the managers over the years, and maybe they need to look. Players need to look in the mirror and see where they're going themselves. You know, with their with their approach over the last five or six weeks. But yeah, it's very hard for a manager because because you know yourself uh, once the lads go over that white line you know a manager can only can only do so much but as we said before like Derek McGrath was a huge figure to replace you know not just as a person but as a manager and everything yeah look he was a real father figure to a lot of those guys and I suppose the age profile of the team that he took over was quite young as well so I suppose they really looked up to him and you know he was a real charismatic guy you could so you could see in him that you'd follow him like if he was leading you'd follow you know and it's been very difficult for Padre to, to follow that it's like when David Moyes went into Man United and tried to follow after Alex Ferguson um, it's really hard to do that you know and look it's, it's one thing saying fair enough it's the player's responsibility once you cross the line but it's the manager's responsibility so the, the match is only an hour and ten minutes out of the week every other minute of the week is up to the manager and management team and the coaching staff and Look, it just seems that things haven't been right down there, and you know it'd be interesting to see what happens though. Whether it's the whether it's the players that get the road, or whether it's the manager that gets the road, it depends on how strong the county board are. Are they going to back the manager on the decision that they made a year ago, or are they going to take the soft option and give the manager the road? And unfortunately, and we've all been. It's a results team, game uh, as well. Yeah, it's a results game, and county board will take the soft option. But it must be remembered as well. John Coyley's first year in charge of Limerick didn't exactly set the, yeah. set the place on fire either. Um, and they went down and won the, won the All-Ireland after. Um, Galway's first year under their current management, uh, under Mike Dunhu, they won. They were very poor as well. And went down and won the All-Ireland in the second year. It does take a year to bed in, you know, to get to know the players, for them to get to know the management, for the processes, for everything to bed in, um, and to manage the change from the one management to the next management. So look, maybe maybe they should just hold tough and give him another year. It has been exceptionally poor, but look, you know, getting rid of the manager isn't always the solution either. You know. Thing about it is, when you look at their their league performance, maybe the peaked too soon. But to go two years, especially for a county like Waterford, without a championship win. Yeah, it's very poor. Now, again, looking at the league, I think because there was no real relegation threat in the league this year the league was a bit of a joke yeah. uh, it was very hard to read into the form They're like you, you wouldn't have predicted from the league that Tipperary would come out firing like they were but they'd clearly focused on being ready for the championship yeah. so Cork were in the relegation playoff and they came out firing as well so look you can't read into the league I think 
Waterford nearly half fluked their way into the league final and they were taking a part to Croke Park that day. Like, we were all about watching it and it was, it was nearly a non-event. It kind of yeah. took away from Limerick winning the league a certain extent that it was such a non-event and, and they've carried that form into the championship and they've, uh, they're out fine and early now so they've a long, long uh, summer to be licking the wounds and seeing where they go from here, you know. It's not nice when uh, your counties are around you. We're actually doing well. We move on to the big ball. Donegal booked their place in the Ulster final with a four-point win over last year's beaten All-Ireland finalist Tyrone. Um, kind of expected it. The Peter Hart black card early on kind of didn't help Tyrone. But um, talking to people today, and the big thing is, obviously, the Tyrone McCann incident, but just how cynical Tyrone still are. You know, a couple of years ago, they were kind of everyone's second favourite team. You'd love to see them doing well. Whereas now, I think people are just a bit peeved off with them and the way they're fouling and dragging players and everything. It's just, it's not nice to watch. No, it's not nice to watch. And look, they are very cynical. And I think Mickey Hart is nearly a double persona, isn't he? I think the persona yes. in, in public and what the reality of it is. Uh, He's like a man out of Scooby-Doo. Remember at the end, you take off a mask and you'd be like, yeah. so yeah. But you know, like, it's like what Tierney McCann did. Look, we've all done silly things on the field, but we can't hide behind this masculinity or toxic yeah. masculinity, you know, that can be there sometimes in the jail. It's a man's game, and look, you do silly things and you cross the white line. Whether you're on the street or on the field, you have to be accountable for your actions. Totally and agree. What he did wasn't right. He, like, you know, you can do a lot of things in a game to physically hurt a guy without putting him in any danger, really. Um, but the guy, Goji guy's eye is just, uh, I just thought Slow. it was low, to be honest. And so you know what, like, from hearing stories around about, about the Tyrone camp and stuff like that, I don't have a huge amount of respect for them. Yeah. But whatever respect I have for them will definitely go if, if Mickey Hart doesn't come out and condemn what happened there because there's just no room for it. And the GA have to throw the bucket in because you can't have young kids watching that game and thinking that it's okay to do that on an under 10 or under 12 field if there's no repercussions for it. It's just not right. See, people uh, are going to bring up uh, past cases and I think they were let off too easy. We won't mention names. But there, yeah, there, I think yeah. what the GA now have to, you have to make example. I know Longford, uh, we got a player that was suspended. He was sent off against Westmead. Um, even Westmead were amazed at it. Went, uh, got a one-match suspension, appealed it and, and lost the appeal. But um, I don't know. Uh, this disciplinary committee kind of, for me... I'm looking at things and I'm going, how do you find that right and that wrong? And, you know, there have to be consistent in what, what they think is a foul and the punishment as well. No, 100%. And look, the counties are a bit to blame as well. Again, we've all been in, in the position whereby we've appealed red cards for players that we knew they were in the wrong, but you know, you're looking Chant your arm. Yeah. And chant your arm and, and stuff like that. And I think... Really, if it's a serious discipline issue, sometimes you just have to suck it up and yeah. say, "Look, he was wrong." You have to take your punishment, and you know you don't. If you're whether it's a county team or a club team, you don't want to create that culture whereby players think it's okay to do stuff because you'll appeal and appeal until they get off. You have to create that that culture of discipline. Um, otherwise, you're, you know you're, you're going to get nothing really. And look, it was looking left a bad taste in the mouth for everyone. Um, like it was a great win for Donegal. It's really, I suppose, they've set out a set out a, a warning mark of what they are capable of. Um, Michael Murphy, class, yeah. act, um, a real player of a generation. You know, um, they're a team I really like. I spent the whole of uh, 2012 following them um, around the country. They were my friends from college from Donegal. Really, great crack in uh, in Dublin for the matches and stuff like that. So they're, 
Jimmy's winning matches and all that, so they would have had a a fairly uh, have a soft spot for them. But um, look, I think they're they're probably going to emerge from the pack now as uh, as one of the two or three teams. I will think that they can put it up to Dublin yeah. on a given day, and they really set out the set out their stall last night. And it's all fair play to them. They're uh, in the final against Cavan, and that'll be a great occasion as well. Yeah, speaking of Cavan. Um, Sports talk, we absolutely adore um, Mickey Graham, and I know Mickey. Um, yeah, I know I've known Mickey a long time uh, now. First time in eighteen years. Um, as my mum's from Cavan, I think I need to dig out the old Cavan jersey. It's that old. It's actually retro now, so I'm going to look really cool in it. Um, great win. Still, that's it, of course. And now it's Kingspan Breffney Park. Um, credit to our ma, they come back into the game, but. You know, yet again, the you know, the old heads for Cav were were able to um to, to lead them to victory. Absolutely delight for them. You know, I, I remember talking to Mickey at the start of the year, and he knew that Division One was always going to be tough for him. And the main thing for him was the Monaghan game, the first round. That's what he was focusing on. They got that victory over Monaghan. Everyone thought, oh, Monaghan are a tired team. You know what's going to happen. You know, um, Armagh doesn't matter what division they're in. In Ulster football, it doesn't matter. Armagh put it up to them. In the first game, Cavan got that win. And I tell you, Cavan are not going to fear Donegal. They don't care who they're going to. If they're in a final. You've got Mickey Graham, who was um, in charge of Mullinocta. So, he, you know, he's going to have his side uh, set up for, for that Ulster final. And I tell you, it'll actually be a good game of football because you've got, obviously, have Declan Bonner, who plays a nice style of football as well. So it, it's one of those um, Ulster finals that you will have a lot of neutrals who will actually be sitting down and watching it. No, definitely. It has all the makings for a cracker. Um, as you said, uh, Declan Monner will be worried looking on at the exploits of uh, Molyakta earlier in the year and he'll be hoping to avoid another shock. Um, I suppose one of the more interesting things was that Cavan uh, hit six of the last seven points yeah. um, in that game on Saturday night. Having played the week before as well, which would suggest that Mickey Graham has them in serious shape. Um, and as well, confidence, because, you know, when... When you, I suppose, you're trying to get over the line and get into the Ulster final for the first time, and was it since in 21 years? Was it since 97? 18. Um, sorry, 18, uh, yeah, 18, yeah, the, the one that actually, the one at 97, uh, Martin McHugh was manager of them, and Mickey was actually a player. That's right, yeah. Um, but like, I suppose we call it finishing line syndrome or white line syndrome when you're not used to winning big games and you see the mm. white line teams can stutter. But geez, they showed absolutely no fear whatsoever and headed for the finish line like a train. And said he'd stick to the last seven. Uh, Keen Mackey, I suppose, yeah, had yeah. enough. Killian Clark, the old reliables, um, and he's well deserved. As you said, that's going to be a great spectacle. It's going to be a real old school, colourful Ulster final day in Clonus. You know, you have a lot of excitement there. Cavan will bring the crowd the excitement, and it's going to be great. Uh, really looking forward to it, actually. And the thing about it is, um, for Cavan, for Mickey as well, was trying to change the lads, um, their way of thinking and their style of football because they'd obviously been playing a different brand of football for the last number of years. So for him to come in there and try and do it. But I think when you have good footballers, they'll always be able to change. Exactly. And I suppose, look, he's, he's not exactly trying to turn a pig deer into a horse either. Like, Cavan have had some serious underage success. Yeah. Um, so I think they won three or four Ulster under 21s in a row no. there not so long ago and, so and people wondered why they never really went on after that and I think they needed somebody like Mickey Graham to take over yeah well like I suppose we've experienced it before ourselves in Limerick like say, at the start of the, of the century here 
we won three hundred fifty ones in a row. And the thing about winning so many in a row is you have a lot of the same players yeah. across the three or four years. So you're actually better off winning one, having a break for a couple of years, winning another one. You're more likely to get more players out of it that way. Um, but still, they still had enough players. That that Ulster Under Twenty One Championship would have been fiercely competitive at the time. Um, and the Ireland winners was, were coming out of Ulster a lot at the time. Tyrone had picked off a couple in Donegal in finals and and stuff like that. And and they had won four in a row. These players don't just disappear overnight. They don't become bad players. As you say, sometimes you just need to get the right man at the end yeah. to, to point them in the right direction. And please, wouldn't there be some into the year if uh, Mickey Graham ended up winning the, the Linster Club and the Ulster yeah. Championship in the one year with two underdogs? Just hand him the Phillips Award, and close the book, the way you go, manager of the year. Listen, though, I'll let, I'll let you into a secret. It's all with his lucky tracks of bottoms. He's got a pair of Cavan tracks of bottoms that helped him through the three years at Mullignac, the three in a row. Uh, the Lancer title now today and I even text him today to say it's all about the tracks of bottoms so that's what you have to do lads you know to be successful get, get a pair of uh, which is I hope to God he does um, I've never quite got the quiff off them no when I'm standing beside him so I think no he does watch them but I know certain players have um, stats over you know certain stuff they wear and they mightn't watch it at all so yeah, yeah. I know I know yeah. footballers are like yeah I'm glad you said that Listen, in Leinster it was a bit straightforward, wasn't it really? Um, too easy for me than Dublin. Uh, what a difference the year makes for me. Like they were jumped out of the Leinster quarter final last year by Longford. Uh, this year they got promoted back to Division One, and now they're in the Leinster final. Yeah, I suppose they got caught in the hop last year against Longford. Excuse me. <laughs> No, but they did, you know, and I think the, um, they showed their true potential in the qualifier game against Tyrone. Yeah. Um, a game that Andy McAtee lost his actual beans afterwards with the referee, but they were very, very unlucky, very unlucky yeah. that day and probably should have won. Um, and I suppose they did a really good league campaign then um, this year, and if they brought that form through, and I suppose they really put their hand up as the second team in Leicester now, you know. Um, like, I suppose it was a fairly straightforward win today. They won by 11 points. Um, Brian Minton got two of the goals. Mickey Newman, of course, who's a serious, serious player. Great player. Uh, big, big rangy guy. Uh, handed one as well. Um, and look, they put it up to Dublin, but they won't either, if that makes any sense. Yeah. You know, they, they'll go and have a cut, but... Look, that Dublin team is... You know, people talk about the Kerry four in a row team and, and things like that, but look, this is the best football team that's ever played the game. Yeah, look, they're a brilliant, brilliant side, and... It's actually a shame because the, the Leinster Championship without Dublin... Dublin's brilliant, yeah. ...competition, you know... Uh, we had this conversation in Carlow today, yeah. Yeah, you know, so... But look, Dublin are class size and they'll only get... Uh, they'll only get better as they go along, you know. There's, there's no two ways about it. Yeah, um, we'll go through the qualifiers. Um, Leitrim beat Wicklow yesterday. Uh, Offaly had a win over London. Too easy for Derry over Wexford, you know, and Paul McLaughlin, the Wexford manager, stepped down afterwards and he, um, in his statement. Antrim, surprise for me, was Antrim beating Louth um, and Monaghan beat Fermanagh. Uh, Fermanagh entered the game, um, 12 players. Um, down beat Tipperary and uh, another man that went was Liam Kearns, the Tipperary manager. I think you probably realise that he's taken Tipperary so far. Westmead, an easy win over uh, Waterford and, as I said, I was down in Carlow. Longford beat Carlow by 10 points. It could have been 20 points. We kicked 16 wides and, you know, 
sad to see how how poor Carlo Carlo were. And what I noticed today, and I don't know how it was in other grounds. I suppose when you're when you're playing some of the lower teams, it's hard to get motivated. But there was just no buzz there. I remember years ago in the first round of a qualifier, even you know if you're playing you know, for mana or down or whatever, you'd always have a bit of a buzz, but it just didn't seem like a championship game there today. It was just like akin to a league match. And, you know, and as I said, I was surprised with how poor Carlo were, like, you know, Longford, even though we were missing so many players, like if we'd have won by 20 points, um, it would it would have been a fair reflection on it. But kind of the qualifiers, is the buzz still around there? I'm just wondering. Yeah, it's interesting. I suppose you kind of raised a couple of interesting points here. Um, I suppose that was for Mana. Um, I suppose they've changed so much from the Keith McGrath team that uh, that I suppose captured everyone's heart. Yeah. You know, Swashbuckling football and you know, put up a big score, they stuff them in Crow Park and that. And then like, I watched it for about five minutes there a couple of weeks ago when you're on the telly and I just turned it off. And like, if you wonder if players you know, come back to enjoyment, they really enjoy that. I know it's the results business, but. If you're going to go out and play 15 behind the ball and still, what have you actually gained from that? You know, I wonder if there's some of those from Manalad sitting at home this evening wondering whether all that commitment and training is worth it, you know, to, to go out and play so negatively and still lose fairly comfortably is just, I don't know. I, don't know. I think last year's win, you know, the, the Monaghan, yeah, you know the Monaghan win last year where it was basically smash and grab, where they got that goal, I think it just gave them a, a a false promise it did really because uh, they done they done yeah they they done nothing afterwards and as you said we played them now last year in the league and it was like at least our man up in our map played football whereas the Fermanagh game it was just oh my god it was just absolutely negative and as you said about the players do they want to play that way but they actually have very good players in there and you were not playing by playing that style of football you're not playing football to suit those type of players like you know Sean Quigley and guys like that. That type of football doesn't suit them. It's not going to no. uh, bring out the best in them. No, and George you know, Sean Quigley's a great player. He's never going to burst his arse working for you, like. But if you if you stick it in within a ten yeah. yard range, so then you throw. He throw and he, he actually throw two or three defenders over the par as well. You know, yeah, he's that big yeah. a man. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's sad to see that football has gone that way, where certain teams don't think that there's room for these guys and. The reality now is a fellow who can run uh, who can run a three minute, fifteen second, one kilometre test is probably more likely to make a county team in some counties than the likes of Quigley who's gifted at both feet. Um, you know, so that's unfortunate. But Carlo were kinda of in the same boat, weren't they? Um, I was about to say that. Um Carlo, as I said to my dad on the way home, it was a case of Carlo knew they weren't gonna win. Um and it was like we don't we don't really care like we know we're not going to win and it was just like we'll just smother the life out of Longford and it was just yeah. oh my god it was pitiful like and Longford tried to like the, the two wing backs come up and scored three points between them because what one Longford wanted to do was spread them and drag uh, Carlo wide and that's all they could do because we played them in the minor played them in the junior this year and it was the same thing and they have very good players like you know they've Dermot Walsh they've Dara Foley um, you know Yes, Darren St. Ledger. Like, Daniel St. Ledger burst, I think, twice up today, and that was all. You know, this is a player that used to like getting up. Um, and I feel for players like that. I know Longford, we'd done it a few times, was kind of, you know, to, to suit certain games. But at least we had players that, when they dropped back, at least they could go forward when we needed to do it. But for these counters, like Carlo and Fermanagh, you are not going to. And players probably are just going to get a bit, as I said, a bit peeved off by it all. You've, you've touched on a worrying thing there. You said that 
time. Their minors are the same. Their juniors are the yeah. same. Like St- Stephen Porcher is notoriously negative coaches, yeah. defensive, um, and it's defence at all costs. And look, they got a bit of success out of it last year. Okay, they cocked there in the Hopping Championship. They got promoted out of the Division Four League, but. You know, like uh, any well-organized team could win that Division Four league without any disrespect to them. So, and it's really worrying that guys like this are coming into counties, and the underage teams are using their way of, of playing as a blueprint for going forward. Like, how many years? Whatever about a senior player who comes in and has a coach that plays that way for a couple of years and then moves on. If you're introduced to this style of play at 15 or 16 in a development squad, yeah. how many years are you going to do that before you just go, Nah, this isn't for me? You know, I just don't see that as a healthy way for developing football in Cardo. And look, they're over the championship now as early as any other team. And again, there could be a lot of those lads sitting at home this evening going, you know, why didn't we just have a cut? It might still have last, but at least we didn't enjoy what we're doing. Go down fighting. Um, yeah. You know, kind of looking at, looking at results. And as I said, you know, the Antrim result, I was a bit surprised with that, um, with Loud, because Loud came so close to getting promoted. And... Uh, look what happened um, down Tipperary. You know, it's a tough place to go up to, um, Newry, is to get a result. I know from us up there, we lost before in a league and in a qualifier, and then 2016 on our way to beating Monin in the qualifiers, we got a result up there. So very tough. But as I said, um, I think Liam Curran stepping down, he probably realises he has, and he done some job with Tipperary. Uh, look, Curran has a serious record as a manager. Yeah. Like, he was in Limerick. Um, in Limerick got to Division 2 league finals uh, got to two months of finals um, Darrow Shea plucked the ball from over the crossbar in the last yeah. time the game of grounds a guy called Owen Keating from Owen Lean he's a soccer player at UCD remember him yeah Darrow Shea caught it and he was literally that close we used to follow him all over the country like they played in the Division 1 football league and we were going up to Cavan up to King's Court to watch him beating Cavan in the Division 1 football league uh, they got to the semi-final of the Division 1 football league Kerry beat him in the Division 1 semi-final like he did incredible things though that was a talented bunch of Limerick players um, with savage forwards like Mirish Gavin and Conor Fitzgerald and John Galvin in the middle of the field was an all-star and Jason Stokes and all these guys were a super team but Kearns really knocked the tune out of him you know and geez, he got Tipperary to the semi-final of the All-Ireland switching yeah that was some achievement I, I do feel sorry for him you know they say in politics that no political career ends in success you know because it can't and sometimes in sports it's, it, just, it doesn't end in success either and they got relegated this year and they got beaten by Limerick and beaten in the first round of the qualifiers and I really hope that his legacy in Tipperary isn't tainted by this year because what he achieved there was phenomenal. The battle against so much, you know, players going after to be part of the hurling squad and losing players. He was unlucky. He lost, um, lost. Oh, did uh, Colin Reardon as well, and and Steve O'Brien was off hurling one of the years and things like that. But yeah, what he achieved was phenomenal, and it's unfortunate, I suppose. It is a really tough place to go, um, Newry, and, and and knock the results out of it. And look, they came out the wrong side of it today. And, no, it, it'd be a tough got a job to take now the Tipperary one because Jordan, they're on a bit of a downward curve and to follow a guy like Cairns in who's so meticulous so professional it's going to be a, t- a tough job for every side to take it you know and the thing about it is I think this year they were kind of hoping to do something um, in Munster and just I think they get one of those results and then they just can't really follow up and as you say get into an Ireland semi-final and yet they just yeah. couldn't follow it up and, and, and that's the problem and um, obviously, as well, I mentioned uh, Paul McLachlan, the Wexford manager, 
different for him because they were on absolute got an absolute hiding from Derry. Now this was a Wexford team that I was looking back at, at statuses in my Facebook only a couple of years ago that they were one team that you were saying Chase they could give Dublin a game and look yeah. how far they've gone. Yeah, I suppose we even go back to the Matty Ford era like um do you know, I think they got in our Ireland semi final there one year as well or yeah. um and Joe you know, look but I suppose in counties like that I suppose Limerick is the same you're kind of hoping for a group of players to come through together. Do you know, like, Hurling Malaw is the number one in Wexford. Yeah. Hurling Malaw is the number one in Limerick. You're just hoping Same as tip. If you do the right development work, yeah, that you get to get the players through, you know. And I suppose like, one of the interesting conversations that came out of the qualifiers was with Kieran Dealey, the London manager. Um, he's a real uh, advocate of the two-tier championship. Um, and I suppose they, his point he made today was that they played nine games this year seven in the league two in the championship and their championship is over first week in June and now they have to wait seven months for a competitive game again and then you know, they find it very hard to make progression and there's a lot of counties in the same boat now tonight that are out of the championship on the 7th of June and we'll have to lick their wounds with no games no meaningful games for the next next while you know No disrespect to you know Ross Common or teams in, in Connacht but you play one game and you're into a a Connacht final and we used to always say God if they are redrawn the bridges and boundaries you know Longford be, to be in Connacht and I remember a couple of years ago um, Longford were on a run and uh, had to go through so many stages of the qualifiers and Mio just had to play two games was it and then they were at nearly enough the same stage of the qualifiers so you know even the qualifiers doesn't really help teams neither because it all depends on your draw and I think even now the way it's gone is you win your first round and you think oh great but now you're obviously facing a team that got to a semi-final instead of you know giving yeah. a team a chance to you know play one of the one of the winners from the qualifiers and then maybe give like they used to do it uh, a couple of years ago. Speaking of Roscommon, uh, next weekend it's the Connacht final between Galway and uh, Roscommon. You know Galway weren't great uh, their first game against London, but then obviously showed it against Sligo. Roscommon that great win over Mayo. It's at Pear Stadium, um, so you're kind of thinking, you know, go away, can they do it? But you could never write off this Roscommon side. No, and you know, the absolute highest respect for Anthony Cunningham as well. Um, he's achieved great results um, in hurling and football, you know, and mm. I suppose a lot of people might not realise that he did have a, a really strong record in club football there um, with Bridget, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and got him to the, got him to the club all early final and... Um, Look, he's a real likeable guy. We train in Athlone IT a little bit uh, at the start of the year, and, and the Roscommon footballers would have been there as well. And very approachable, always very chatty, and you just kind of got the impression of him that he's the kind of guy you'd like to play for. You know? um, and like Roscommon, they really fought to the death there in in uh, Ballina, um in that game, or in Castlebar, sorry, um, in that game against Mayo. And um, I suppose that's a real sign of a team that are playing. I suppose well, primarily for themselves in their counties, but just giving it that bit extra for their manager as well. Um, that said, I really like this Galway side. They play football the right way. There's a real attacking, uh, cutting edge to them uh, when they click into gear. Um, big fan of Damien Comer. He's just, uh, I just love the way he goes about his business. If, if you want to hit him a few trumps, he'll take it. If you want to try his mark him totally, he'll take it to school as well. And he's just a class player. That'll be a good game. I, I do really expect Galway to come over and top there, to be honest with you. Because I was going to say, um, seeing that we had Psychic Sully last weekend, and we going to have Psychic, we've got Psycho Sully, but uh, Psychic Sully uh, this weekend, 
right, you've um Galway to win that. Um, are you going to then? Obviously, will it be a, a Galway double uh, next weekend? They're away in Dublin, so you're probably expecting them in the hurling. The hurling fixtures, like that's a tricky one. Um, now there's obviously a bit of history there, and that Matty Kinney will have felt hard done by him being turned down for the Galway job a couple of times. Um, and he obviously he would have been a coach with Anthony Cunningham, I suppose, to, to link in there um, for a couple of years as well. But he, he went for the Galway job a couple of times and didn't get it. Um, so he will have a bit of a personal chip on his shoulder there, um, as well as the fact that they're playing for their championship lives. Uh, Dublin lose, they're out. Mm. Um, and Matty's a competitor, and he certainly wouldn't have thought that um, in his first year in Dublin that they wouldn't even get out of the group. You know, he would have uh, he would have had much bigger aspirations than that. It's a tricky place to go, Parallel Park. It's a tight pitch. Um, Galway will need their forwards to step up again. I think they will do it. I do think they will do it um, and top the group uh, to get to the Leinster final. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with the Galway double there and uh, Dublin to make an early exit in the, in the hurling so they can concentrate on their five in a row pushing the football. Yeah, and in the other game there... I was going to say, what about the Wexicans? Yeah, the Wexicans, Wexford Park again, tough place. Mm. Wind goes straight down the field there um, and you have to be prepared. It, it's such a big part of the game there. Uh, you really often see games with two halves down there. Um, Davy will have him fired up. He seems to have a bit of a hex on Cody. Uh, he's got the upper hand in him a good few times over the last couple of years. Uh, that's the game of the weekend for me. Is the one that I just I want to watch everything. I, I well, you nearly want to watch it twice. You can watch the sideline. You can watch the game. Um, I think Wexford have their own issues. They're struggling to find a consistent free taker. Mm. Uh, Lee Chin was poor with them um, in the game of Upstall Hill. I know Conor McDonald was taking them on Saturday night against Carlo. Do you know what? I'm going to go with Cody here. I think Ooh. they might just have too much, um, but that will be a cracker. But yeah, I'm going to go for uh, go for Kikini there to win and get to the Leinster final. Will I ask you about Sunday? Um, or, do, or, do you, or do you want to sit on the fence? It's sturdy enough for all of us. I want to sit on the fence for Sunday, I suppose. It's an interesting one. It's temporary... Like, there's so many permutations mm. in Munster. I was looking at today. Even today, it was like, oh my gosh. But Nimerick pretty much can't not qualify out of the group. Yeah. Unless, because of their scoring difference, unless it's a freak set of those. If Clare, let's say Clare won and Tipperary won, you'd have Limerick, Cork, and Clare all on four points. But Limerick have a plus 31 yeah, score difference. Score difference, yeah. 30. So Limerick would have to lose by 31 points and Clare would have to win by 31 <laughs> points for yeah. Limerick not to get through. That's not going to happen. Clare scored 13 points today, never mind winning by 31. <laughs> um, and, like, to be honest with you, I don't know how the Limerick tip game will go. I think it will be a real contest. I suppose if I took my heart out of it, I'd probably edge towards Tipperary. They've had the consistent form of... Would you see maybe a bit of shadow boxing next weekend? You might, like, Limerick won't want to take their eye off the, off the ball either. Mm. I suppose we were in the situation last year when we were pretty much qualified, but now Dennis, I don't think Limerick intentionally took their eye off the ball there. I think Clare really gave it to Malone Innes last year, won by 11 or 12 points. Mm. I don't know, I think Sheedy will want to lay, Sheedy's the kind of manager that will want to lay out oh, a yeah. psychological marker, and he will want to take Limerick into Turles and give him a, give him a hiding, something that they won't, uh, they won't forget, you know, when you're involved in teams that are going well and that are kind of the favourites and stuff like that, 
you never want to give the perceived smaller team any hope, you know. You want to send them home with psychological scarring going, we never want to see these guys again. And that's what Sheedy will try and do. Like Limerick were absolutely outstanding today. Their work rate is phenomenal. The defensive, it was one of the best defensive displays I've ever seen. Sean Finn, I was joking there on Twitter earlier on, the guy wouldn't give you CPR if you were struggling. He wouldn't give you a thing. Like, there's, there's nothing there. He's just an absolutely outstanding cornerback. Declan Hannon read the game so well. He looks at his ease inside in the centre of the defence, just floating around, reading the game so well. And it'll be really interesting to see if Tip's free-flowing attack can produce the goods against Limerick's defence, which has been excellent. Um, look, I am I am tipping Tipperary to win, but like nothing surprised me with this Limerick team. They're just giving us so much so much entertainment and pleasure over the last eighteen months, and it'd be a real interesting game. My money would have to be on Tipperary, but I wouldn't rule out Limerick winning either. And that's it. And I suppose um, both teams would probably, you know, you're on that run. You want to get a couple of wins behind you. You want to kind of keep it going. Go on about your the other game, yeah. Yeah, what, like the thing about the run is Tipperary are the only team that have put a bit of a run together. Yeah. Because um, like Cork obviously lost the last day, tip. Yeah. Like the second day, or beat Limerick first day, lost the tip. Then um, Limerick lost the first day, beat Waterford there. It's, it's very difficult to put two wins back to back in this championship so far. It seems, but look, Clare are in a tough position now. They can still qualify in theory. Um, their best bet is if Limerick beat Tipperary um, that makes their game against Carcass straight shootout to get through um, but like, it's hard to see where it's going to come from Like those guys have to be hurting um, I was talking to David Reedy today just asking him what's going on and like he obviously he's not on the panel this year but he's still very close to us and he said there's nothing going on there Like you know, there's no rows there's no anything there's nothing that they can see that it's uh, tangible that has gone wrong and sometimes that's nearly worse because if you can identify you know whether there's guys not pulling their way if, if you had a reason or an excuse yeah exactly but there doesn't seem to be any excuse and it's just they haven't been hurling all year and they've taken a couple of serious clippings and geez, it'll, it'll be some management fees if, if Jerry and Donald can pick those guys up off the floor tonight because they are on the floor that was an embarrassment for them today. It wasn't just... Whatever about last weekend, though, Sully, yeah. um, you know, you're kind of hoping for a reaction this weekend. I was hoping for a reaction from Claire just to see, well, do you know what, even if they had lost by a couple of points and a bit of pride and reaction, but the fact that they were just beaten so comprehensively and they had no fight. Yeah. And, like, I suppose we were talking about there a couple of weeks ago because like, well, Shane O'Donnell was in Harvard for the first half of the year. Um, on, a, on a scholarship and he came back and went straight into the Clare team now he is one of the best forwards in Clare there's no doubt about it if you're picking the team purely on talent and skill and everything like that he is in there Like he deserves to be in that team there's no two ways about it but the point we were making was that it's not a great sign of a team where a guy can just wander back having been in America for six months and go straight into the team yeah. there's no one there to keep him out of the team whereas last year if you want to point to Limerick um, when the Pearson finished up in the club, none of those guys got back in apart from Mikey Casey. Do you know, it, it, it was kind of like, you know, look, we're strong. They were strong enough panel that they didn't put them back in or that the guys couldn't get back their place from the guys who had the jerseys. So, look, I think Clare lacking the strength and depth. In it's a tough place to go. In talking to a lot of Clare people this evening, the fight seems to be knocked out of them, whatever about the yeah. place. I'm just wondering whether that raucous atmosphere will be in Cusack Park next Sunday. 
but they couldn't see anything other than a Cork win there. Cork was going well, um, and Dale wanted to try and get to the Munster final um, and, and get a trophy on the board again. And yeah, definitely a Cork win there. Listen, thank you so much for joining me this evening, Sully. Best of luck next weekend. I can't believe I'm wishing Westmead the best of luck. But best of luck next weekend um, against Leash. We'll be back next weekend to talk about all the action. And we'll have lots of reaction from the games. So until then, slong go fall.